Hi, this is Carrie with the Promised Podcast, and today I have John Robinson with me. This he's a guest for a second time on our show, and I just want to welcome him and introduce him. He's a life coach and consultant. Um, he also works with healing the wound and does a lot of really um, powerful and extensive work um, on relationships and one-on-one with people. And John, I would love to welcome you and have you expand on that for us. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm. thank you for introducing me, Carrie. It's great to be here, for, especially for a second time. Um, you know, our, our first conversation was a great conversation, and I'm sure this one will be as well, especially, um, you know, considering, you know, some of the subject matter. Um, I, you know, as Carrie said, I'm a life coach and consultant, and I work with people on a variety of issues, and I wear many hats, but I do pretty much everything I do through the lens of emotional intelligence and interpersonal connection. And so those principles drive what I do and are at the heart of, you know, how I work with people. And I, I, I work, I have a few different things I do in terms of contract things and freelance things. But one of the organizations I work with is Healing the Wound, formerly known as The Living Well. And uh, with them, I work with people on, um, you know, I work with people who have been in toxic relationships and are recovering from toxic relationships and looking to build better lives for themselves. I, on Saturdays, I run a group for men, um, that is at 1 PM Pacific time and 4 PM Eastern time. And on Wednesdays, I co-host a group with, with Graciela Moore, um, that is a co-ed group for life after narcissistic abuse. That mm-hmm. is at 5:30 PM Pacific time and 8:30 PM Eastern time. And both of those are, great groups for people to join. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that we can put some information about that in the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really mind blown at the work that you've been doing and just watching you grow over like the past almost year that we've known each other. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and it really has just been an honor to know you and work beside you on a lot of these, issues and topics that, you know, we work with, with people on, um, just really been an honor and a blessing. So thank you for being here. And today we're going to be talking about, um, relationships, but, um, in the context of differentiating roles within relationships, and this stemmed from a post that I had made and, um, in regards to marital roles and God's design in that area and how that looks, you know, from a healthy perspective, especially in today's society. So, so I just, I would love to start with um, kind of some opening thoughts from you, John, on kind of what we had you know, from that post and then kind of what we had discussed in regards to those different roles and, and like what, what that looks like. And of course, John coming from a non-married perspective, but working with many people who've been in, in toxic marriages. So right. I would love to just hear your perspective, your yeah, open perspective on that. Yeah. So like you said, I, I've never been married. I've, I've certainly been in 
committed relationships before. Um, but I, I've never been married and I'm, I'm currently single, but, um, it, I've worked with a lot of people who've been in good marriages, who've been in bad marriages, who've been in healthy, committed relationships, who've been in unhealthy, committed relationships, mm-hmm. people who've been in abusive relationships or toxic relationships. And, you know, a lot of that work as well as my own experiences with, you know, uh, cause I, I've, I've been in an unhealthy relationship myself as well. And, and a lot of that work and, between my professional experiences and my personal experiences, that has given me a lot of perspectives on this issue that I think, you know, are pretty valuable. And as we mentioned, we thought it would be a pretty interesting conversation for us to have considering both of our differing perspectives, even though we still kind of came to some common conclusions. And I joked yeah. with you that, Yeah. I joked with you that I think that the click, if there was a clickbait version of what I was going to say, it would be that weddings are ruining the institution of marriage. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's very much an oversimplification. So I'll, I'll break that down a little bit. I think that a lot of people are kind of idolizing and I use that in the most literal sense, in the most literal and even, even spiritual sense of the word, idolizing the institution of marriage um, in the sense that they think it's the finish line when really it, the work is never done. It's my, my worst nightmare in life is to be the sitcom dad because I, <laughs> I don't, I don't ever want that work to be done. And I've been, mm-hmm. I've, I've been at the age of 25 when I had a relationship and I had to kind of come to terms with the fact that I was kind of a useless man child. Like I, I kind of was, <laughs> you know, and I I had to grow. And the other thing is that I think that we often think that just because a relationship doesn't end in marriage, that that relationship is a failure. And I've had serious committed relationships and that I don't at all consider failures. And they ended and they weren't unhealthy relationships. They were sometimes it was a very healthy relationship. And it just ended because despite the effort we put in life, tore us in two different directions and you know it 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 was it was selfish to keep hanging on in the way that we were and we didn't want to sour what we had um Mm -hmm. so it's it's there's a lot of variables to this and i think that when we idolize you know when we idolize marriage the way that we do rather when we idolize i want to say like the idea of marriage as the finish line the way that i see so many people do rather than viewing marriage as a celebration of a relationship instead of the culmination of a relationship, I think that's when we run into trouble. Yeah, wow. I, I really like what you're saying about um, how people tend to idolize marriage, um, especially these days. It's almost like it's a, it's like putting on a show, you know, like these right. large elaborate weddings and wedding plans and all the money that's spent on it. And it's, it's like a spectacle. Um, and it's not like the values and principle of marriage that are actually right. being celebrated, but the actual wedding and yeah. marriage itself is being idolized. Very right. interesting. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just, just to clarify, I want to make that clear. I'm not against marriage. I'm against because I, I want to make sure that that's understood. Right. That right. I'm against marriage when it's treated as this is the culmination of where we need to get to. Marriage is the celebration of a relationship. It is not the it, it is not the finish line. It, it, it right. is 
the foundation needs to already be there and the foundation is what carries you through the marriage the the commitment is what makes the marriage not the wedding not the ceremony um you know in fact back in back if you go back in history a lot of times those ceremonies were only really reserved for the very rich upper class because people couldn't afford those ceremonies right yeah, yeah. absolutely well thank you for sharing that perspective that is um just really good. And I think right on point. And I think where a lot of people are missing, missing the mark when it comes to what they're celebrating, what the goal is in the right. long term and really focusing on, on that, the, the foundation, the commitment. So I love that. Um, and and really, I mean, that is just also what the enemy would really want the foundation mm-hmm. of marriage to be based on is, is idolizing. Because when we take our, right. our worship and our focus off of God and we place it on anything else, and, and especially the one thing that is to embody, you know, the most important relationship in the bride Christ. Right sense you know which is marriage um i mean what what a basis for him to really um work off of and and to sabotage right from the beginning right absolutely and and it's commodifying it you know it's it's and it's commodifying love and and love can come in many forms but when it comes in that when you when you are feeling that pure of a form of love and it becomes commodified then it no longer Mm. really is all that pure um it's it's just it's very it's very uh i i'm behind i'm i full disclosure i'm behind and we we venerate jesus and we venerate jesus christ as well but we have a saying in our faith that satan is the insistent self or at least that's one of the concepts we believe in and when we make that that very much comes with the idea that um you know that this idea of like oh it's the instagram weddings and it's all this stuff making it about like the show rather than the actual connection itself Mm. wow that's really powerful i like that that's a that's a great perspective so yeah I mean gosh don't we see that everywhere so right. I and <laughs> and myself included I mean actually I just you know had a, a broken off of an engagement recently mm-hmm. and um, I somewhat felt as though that relationship was a spectacle for social media and it made me very uncomfortable um which i won't even get into the details of right now uh, (laughs) yeah not in this podcast episode at least but (laughs) right right um but yeah i mean i i understand um the trap so to speak and I think it's a dangerous trap and people need to be very cautious. Um, and I think that, that that's definitely a tactic that Satan, you know, uses right. to pull people, pull people into and, and away from what, you know, is true and right. And like you said, pure. Right. Um, so 
from that, let's um, let's talk about how the distortion of roles has has cons- has constructed itself into what it is today. Yes, absolutely. So I, <laughs> so I think that I this is really fascinating for me because I think that. Um, we've kind of, I, I can speak more about this from a male perspective, because I think, I, I think that masculinity is having an identity crisis. And I, when I say that, I don't mean that in the way that I think most people would think at first when I say that. Uh, um, I, I, what I mean by that is that I think that masculinity is facing this dilemma where throughout history, and I, this is somewhat of a, this might be somewhat of a controversial statement, but I think it does make sense. It, in centuries past, patriarchy, at least from a from a practical standpoint, when society was more based on brutality, might have made a bit more sense. Um, but now that we're kind of evolving past a point where society needs to ba- be based on that level of brutality, masculinity and, and women are having a moment where they are, you know, kind of finding themselves and asserting themselves in society, which is a fantastic thing. And I, and, and I, I, I applaud it. I think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, men, I think are starting to feel a bit lost as to what their role in society is um, now. And, and so I think that we're seeing two kind of extremes and it's not that everyone's falling for these extremes, but it, these are the two extremes that I'm seeing. One is a bunch of men kind of digging their heels into this archaic patriarchy. And then another extreme is men completely abandoning masculinity altogether. And I don't think either one of those things is healthy. Um, I think that there is a place for masculinity in our society. I just think that we need to redirect our masculine energy and repurpose it to something different. Instead of being conquerors, we can be guardians. Instead of being domineering, we can be dominant. Instead of being, Mm. you know, commandeering, we can have a commanding presence. Instead of, um, you know, instead of being aggressive, we can be assertive, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's repurposing it all in a way where we can be guardians and protectors of society rather than, you know, conquerors and attackers. Mm. That I love that. That's so true. And I, I have to say, I'm seeing those same things as well, those same two extremes that you pointed out as well. And it's like, things are off balance, which I know, even the Bible talks about the importance, the prevalence of balance. Right. So there's Absolutely. no balance there. It's like these two polar opposite, these two extremes pulling from one direction, you know, to, to a completely different direction. Right. And um, yeah, it's, it's really backfiring on us, I think. As- Absolutely as a society and in our relationships. And um, uh, I loved what you said about this guardianship, this, you know, I, and in the opposite extreme of um, where people, where men tend to be abandoning masculinity. Right. um, I'm seeing also this. um, it, It seems to me like it's a, like the, the, these types of men, and you know, maybe you can elaborate on this, um, mm-hmm. are like wearing a mask, so to speak. Yeah. And they have kind of this facade of masculinity and they come off as like this, uh, 
almost like a, you know, like a pretty like peacock, you know, with their feathers all out and, Mm -hmm. and they, they look beautiful on the outside and, and they embody like this masculine stance and this and that, but on the inside where, where the depth of that is, is like hollow. Right. So it's, it's interesting because I'm going, whoa, like that's, and, and that, that's where I'm seeing the abandonment, the real abandonment of masculinity. And it, it goes from, it's, it's the opposite of the protector. It's the opposite of the guardian. It's, it's like, they're almost running from that. They're, they're standing in the background or in the side or on the sidelines or not even really on the sidelines, kind of in the, they're, they're like standing off attracting a lot of attention because of this mask and this facade, but it's empty. Right. Bill Burr, actually the comedian, he has a, he has a really interesting bit about um, guys like that. And he says it's, it's, it's like, it's like the kind of guys who will, when, when they're 16, they just, they just say whatever they can to get a girl to like them, you know, like Uh, that, uh. that, that kind of guy, like, it's now it doesn't necessarily mean it's all fake, but, but I, it's, it seems like. So essentially you're saying these men are boys. They're just, they're just boys. They're not men. <laughs> it, it's, I, I, I think a lot of, a lot of them, it's, it, it can, it, sometimes it's like, well, maybe masculinity is bad. Maybe we need to abandon this. And maybe there's a, I think, I think there's a variety of factors and this is somewhat speculative what I'm saying. You know, I, I, I would need to look at some of the research on this, but mm-hmm. um, one of the, I think sometimes just based on what I've observed, sometimes there's a shame associated with masculinity because of some of the brutality associated with it. Um, like there mm-hmm. are men who I think are ashamed of their masculinity. Sometimes there are men who I think, um, you know, run away from it because they think it, w- it will get them women. Like, <laughs> I do think that that is a thing, but it, I, I don't think I've ever really seen that work. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like it, it's, but then there's like a, um, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting type of thing because we're kind of having to read. Redef- I don't think we need to necessarily, I mean, masculinity needs, it, it, to use a feminine phrase, to use what might t- be tr- a traditionally associated with the feminine phrase, masculinity kind of needs a makeover. I agree with that, but it doesn't need to be abandoned. You know, right. I, I think that's a, that's a different, that's a whole different thing. You know, it just it just needs a new look. Hmm. Yeah, and and I it, it's I don't know where it's stemming from. Really, I think from what I've noticed in most men who are abandoning it or ashamed like right what you were saying having like a feeling of shame about whatever you know their masculine side that they're afraid of or they are not in touch with or whatever that looks like um definitely there's it's and I know you're familiar with this too Mm -hmm. it's stemming from some sort of childhood trauma sure a lot of times it's not conscious yeah especially if they've been preyed upon by a man yes yes and that's very that's a significant um aspect that you bring up because I I've never seen it more predominantly among men who have 
yes, in fact, been violated by another man. Right. Now, that's certainly not, you know, all of that's certainly not the entirety of men who fit that description. But there's definitely a portion for whom that's true. Um, And it's a variety of factors that contribute to it. But I I think that, you know, I I think that and, and. I think that, but I think that there is something to be, assertiveness is a value that I think everyone can, can, you know, that that everyone should be able to pull out of their arsenal when they need to, just like I think, you know, empathy and caring is something that they should be able to pull out of their repertoire whenever they need to. Empathy and caring is something that is traditionally associated with femininity, although it's not exclusive to femininity, and assertiveness is typically something that's associated with masculinity although it's certainly not exclusive to masculinity those are both valuable things that we that and valuable tools that we need in our human toolbox and you know it's we need to be able to access them and if we don't have either of those things it's important for everyone to be in touch with both sides of themselves that way and that that our our marriage of our masculine and our feminine within ourselves is important to happen too that integration of the two absolutely yeah, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because I do believe that both male and female have masculine and feminine within them and they need right. to be integrated 100%. It's so interesting. I, I'm not going to share who it was. I don't even know his name off the top of my head, but somebody mm-hmm. on Instagram that I follow, he was talking about um, how men do not have a feminine side and that there is no feminine femininity in a man that they, you know, are, they are masculine and need to be, be able to work within their masculine realm or whatever. But I don't agree with that. I think that men, and I think God creating us in his image who created both male and female, right. um, Embodies the masculine and the feminine and that we all have both and it needs to be properly integrated. Right. Well, and in, in Genesis, in, in I think, I believe it's Genesis, well, Genesis chapter two. Um, I, I don't remember the exact verse, but, but when, when, um, you know, when, when that's mentioned, um, and it says a man leaves his wife to become to, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm not a man. Mother, leaves and his wife. <laughs> Mother and father. Wow. That was a terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we knew what you meant, John. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, when, when they, when they say that in Genesis two, um, you know, Perhaps that's not. Perhaps while that is about a ma- a more literal sense, it also can represent the masculine and feminine within ourselves. That we need to, you know, create that marriage within ourselves. The yeah. first marriage, you know, I think that's an important analog there. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about the Jonah story as well recently, and how, you know, if we don't make peace with the, el- with, with the with the paths that we're supposed to go down that we're unfamiliar with, we're going to wind mm. up in, in the belly of the that we were afraid of anyway so wow wow that's amen that is powerful right there can you just say that one more time (laughs) (laughs) if we don't make if we don't make peace if, if we're afraid to go down the paths that we're afraid of and face the unknown then we're going to you know end up in the be in danger of the beast within us anyway. So, and we're going to wind up in the belly of the beast. Yeah. We're going to wind up there anyway. When we avoid those, um, those paths in which we fear to take that were meant for us. Yeah. I mean, 
so powerful um, and so true. I've, I've seen it time and time again. That is exactly what happens. Right. That's, that's what that story is all about, you know, and, and yeah. when we don't listen to our own voices when we don't. Um, and, and I, I, th- I really think that the, I mean, we, it's not that we shouldn't listen to other people, but the, at the end of the day, the first and last voice that we should listen to is that, that inner voice that we have. Cause that's, that's the Holy spirit, you know, um, that, that, that's our, or, or, you know, it, it, that's, that's, that's our intuition. Um, right. and that's, that should be the first voice and the last voice that we listen to. And that'll help us figure out whether or not the other voices are making sense or not. Yes. Yeah. Because aren't we faced with so many other voices? And that's another thing I see on social media, which is why I really try to limit myself going on there because um, there are so many false messages being spread everywhere you look. Um, And so there's so many other voices speaking into our lives and, and we're personalizing it and we're, we're taking it in and we're, subjecting ourselves to things that are untrue and um, false beliefs, you know, that and self-limiting beliefs and all of these things that are, are not coming from our true divine source. And this includes friends, family, churches, you know, like you said, that must be our first and our last voice that we listen to that divine internal source coming from the Holy Spirit, our intuition, our gut. That's what we need to really be paying attention to more than anything. Right. You know, and and that's, that's true in relationships as well, because I think a lot of times we, sometimes that voice is a really scary voice to listen to because it doesn't always tell us what makes it says things that makes us uncomfortable, you know? Um, Right. Or it says things that make us feel like that make us realize that we might have made a made the wrong decision or some or, or that we need to change course, um, you know, and all those things are very sometimes it is a reassuring voice, but other times it's not. And it, 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 it's a voice that holds up a mirror to us. Yes, absolutely. So I already know what women are thinking when it comes to this masculine crisis that Mm -hmm. you mentioned. And I know that women are thinking, and I know my thoughts on this, and I would love to hear yours, but I know that women are listening to this or thinking, well, how can I help my husband? Or, well, there's two, there's two parts to this. How can I help my husband into his masculine role. And then there's the women that are saying, okay, well, how do I discern? So there's two parts. There's that. Not. I'm choosing someone who is truly masculine or who is wearing the mask of masculinity. Right. That's, that's a great way to put it because the mask, the mask of masculinity is not confident it's insistent it forces you to look at it it's almost performative like which is actually in a weird way kind of like typically associated with the feminine that that performative element Mm. but it does it in a way that's very intimidating and domineering and commandeering so it looks masculine it's the performance of masculinity rather than just the existence of masculinity um 
And oh. that's it's such a subtle difference, but it, it really is there. Masculinity doesn't have to prove itself. It just it, it just is. Just like femininity doesn't have to prove itself. It just is. How how many oh. first of all, how often do we ha- do we even see someone in society trying to prove how feminine they are? It doesn't really happen because I think femininity right now while it is often oppressed and suppressed in society, I think femininity generally, and I could be wrong about this, but generally understands what it is at this point. You know, Mm. I think masculinity doesn't really know what it is at this point. And that's why there's so much (laughs) flashing out. And that's why there's so much freaking out. And that's why there's so much performance of it. Why do we self-destruct so much? Why, why is so much of masculinity seeing how much pain we can endure why did i enjoy playing rugby and getting knocked around not that that's not that playing rugby was a bad thing i i enjoyed every second of it but like why are the (laughs) activities that we that we choose to enjoy ones that oftentimes are about how much pain we can take you know like it's 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 just an interesting thing to think about you know Mm. and the other thing is and this is going to sound counterintuitive about how can you help your your you know husband or boyfriend or partner um you know step into their masculine and i would say just from this is just from a personal standpoint that the most helpful thing to me is to let them fall apart every once in a while and when i say that i don't mean like let them go down a self-destructive path i mean like just give them times where they can be a puddle instead of a rock so that the rest of the time they can be the rock that they can be the rock that they want to be because it's it's exhausting to be the rock sometimes and i understand there are a lot of women out there who are the rock in the relationship you know and and that ha- and, and a lot of them are probably listening right now thinking well he's never the rock and if that's the case mm-hmm. then I, then so then you know this doesn't apply to your situation um i'm mm-hmm. talking about the situation in that case the, the remedy is different, but I, I guess the reason this is sticking in my head is just because I remember I, I'm someone who oftentimes I feel like I need to take care of people in a way where I need to be, you know, just I, I need I need to hold it together for people. And I need to be as much as I tell people to that it's OK to, you know, show be vulnerable and stuff, you know, and I do OK with that. I, there's times where I don't do I don't live up to my own standards that I preach to other people with that. And I just remember I was in a relationship one time this and, you know, this this partner of mine, you know, I, I was having a really bad day. And, you know, I just she listened to me. She let me kind of like, you know, like express my emotions. And then we just sat down on the couch and. And I was like, okay, what do you want to do? Like thinking I got to be all better now, you know, like I, I had my moment. Now I got to be all better. And she was like, I was like, what do you want to watch? And she said, I want to watch anything. I was like, oh, okay, what do you want to do? And she's like, nothing. I just want to hug you. And no one had ever said that to me before, you know? And I was right. like, but I was like, okay. And and then, so she just, I was like, well, let's see what happens with this. And she just held me in her arms. And I mean, I'm not I get misty sometimes and teary sometimes, but it's very rare that I start bawling like a baby. And I started bawling like a baby, like just turning in, like I turned into a complete puddle. And like the reason that that, and it, and, and she was like, what's wrong. And I was like, and and I was like, nothing. It's just, no one's ever let me do this before, you know? And, and it was just such a relief for me to do that. Um, so I know for me, that's the kind of thing that 
sometimes helps me, even though it's so hard for me to open myself up to it. Um, so then in that, in that space, you're also allowing for her to exercise her femininity. Right. Um, and then, and then you can, you guys can, the two of you can connect in that space in, in those roles. And I like how you're, you're talking about that now. Now, when you say let him fall apart, sometimes, do you mean like, let him fall apart sometimes emotionally or let him fall apart sometimes also in the sense that he might be going down a destructive path and you kind of need to let him like you, we can't control people, right? Like we kind of have to let them do whatever destructive thing they might do and, and not abandon them in that, but allow them the space to, to screw up. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I don't mean like cheating and things like that. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, if someone's going to cheat, they're going to cheat. You don't have control over that type of thing. But I mean, like, for instance, if a man is saying, I know this, I know this is the right way. And this is what we need to do. And even though the woman is saying, okay, I know that this is not the right way. I'm going to share my thoughts on it, allow him to lead and go down that path so that he can discover that for himself. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of what I mean. Like like when the woman knows this is not going to be good and he's not really taking heed to what she's saying. So she's going to have to allow him to go down that road. Right. I, I, I see what you're saying. And, and I, I, I agree with you to an extent, but I think we have to be careful with that one because okay. there's, there has to be some semblance of boundaries, um, you know, right. be, because, and, and, and where everyone draws that line is different, but there does have to be a line. Um, now someone making letting someone make a mistake, letting someone fail. That's one thing, but you know, becoming a martyr for someone else that's that's when when it starts to become self-destructive for you as a partner and not just for them that's when i think the boundary needs to be drawn um because then you're in that then that's when the relationship becomes toxic for you if your partner is engaging in self-destructive behavior then by by all means help them but if it starts to become if 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 the relationship becomes a self-destructive relationship for you that's when you need to at least reconsider the relationship now that that mm. might depend on how far into the relationship you are whether it's a marriage whether it whether it's you know ju- whether whether it's just been a few months that might differ for everyone but at some point reconsideration of the relationship needs to happen if it becomes self-destructive for the person who's giving the leeway Right. Okay, great. I'm so glad that you are addressing that because I know women who are just like me, you know, and we tend to have these codependency traits and behaviors. So we have to be very cautious of that is what you're saying, like within reason. Right. Yeah. And then if it becomes destructive, um, 
with our own health or well-being, then we need to know where that line is and make sure that those boundaries are in place. Absolutely. If it starts to feel like a job for you rather than a relationship, that's probably a good, that's probably a good emotional marker to use. Okay. So now what do you think about, um, and, and just, this is, you know, this is coming to, to our audience. This is coming from a man himself. Okay. So this is a, a very wise man and he um, has worked with <laughs> you are, and he's worked with a lot of um, a lot of women uh, victims and survivors of, of narcissistic abuse, abuse in general, what, you know, however you, whatever you want to call it um, destructive relationships and destructive relationships. So, um, and he also has worked with a lot of men um, who who need help um, in in learning how to manage these destructive and toxic behaviors, okay. and also learning how to how to be in relationships with toxic women as well. So, right. um, yeah, this is just I think really helpful, great information for our listeners. So, as far as the feminine goes, um, mm-hmm. what what do you think that women need? to work on in embracing more of, of our femininity and, and our role in relationships and in marriage as, as women. This is a landmine of a question, but I, I, I'm not going to shy away from landmines. <laughs> uh, I promise you, I'm not trying to set you up, John. No, I know. But- I know. I know. No, I, I, I know and, that you wouldn't be asking me if you didn't value my opinion. Um, yes, but, and but, anything uh, that you, you would have to share, I know, will be of value. I appreciate that. Um, I think that, honestly, I think women right now, I think femininity is kind of in a good place right now in a lot of ways. I think that it, I think femininity has kind of stepped into its own. Um, it, it's, it's gaining power. And, you know, wh- while it is not, while there is pushback against that and that's not a good thing i think in terms of i think in terms of uh i don't think it's having the same identity crisis that masculinity is at least not my observation but in terms of being feminine in a relationship there is I, i think a lot of women out there because there's a lot of kind of lost men or lost boys out there Mm -hmm. they're they might be falling for some of these lost men and lost boys because they feel like they just and i think the main thing that i'm seeing with femininity is the issue of codependency and there's still a strain of that in there Mm -hmm. and you know i i i I don't like the fact that i use the word strain because that makes it sound so that make that that's such a negative word but i I, the a better word is escaping me at the moment um but the uh with codependency i think the feminine wants wants to care for someone so badly that sometimes they will be willing to care for it, the feminine side will be willing to care for something at the expense of themselves and while to an extent there's something unselfish and noble about that there's also something that is that that it it almost it it's almost how much of this is due to uh, how much of this codependency is due to unselfishness versus attachment and addiction? 
Um, mm. When I say addiction, I don't necessarily mean addiction to a substance. I mean addiction okay. to the codependency itself. To the pattern, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think that that really steps outside of, and this is what I had, part of what I had written in, in that post that we initially mm-hmm. talked about. I think that really steps outside of God's design because right. I think in God's design, as far as male leadership goes, and especially in the crisis of male leadership that we're having today, mm-hmm. um, there's less and less men who are leading in a sacrificial way. So I think that right. a lot of times now, especially today, in the age that we're living in, that women are feeling that they need to, because men are not living up to and living in their masculine roles, that women are having to step into a masculine role. And in that way, loving and caring for men sacrificially at at the expense of themselves, as you were saying, versus the, the original design that God had for, for man and woman. Right. Well, and one of the things that I think is, and I'll bring up the analogy of the sitcom dad again, throughout the 90s and the 2000s, which is, you know, I mean, that's when I grew up when I, you know, when I was a kid, every sitcom I saw on TV had a lot of, I'll say a lot of sitcoms I saw on TV had some useless oaf of a man (laughs) married to a gorgeous like like woman who just who with an amazing job who was incredibly smart who did everything around the house and just did everything mm. and it's like and th- and that was just supposed to be normal like it was just supposed and it never occurred to and the the scarier part was that nothing it, it never occurred to me that something was wrong with that until I got older like mm, right <laughs> like and, and and I kind and I kind of had to look at myself and think about what ways that I was similar to the sitcom dad. And I was like, Oh no, I, I can't be <laughs> like, and like, cause I, I, I started to wonder, do a lot of men just get married so they can have a woman, a, a new, like, like, because they can't live with their mom anymore and they need another woman to take care of them. Like, is that, <laughs> I started to wonder that. And, and I, I told myself, I don't ever want to be that, person now i'm not saying i'm perfect in that quest but (laughs) (laughs) i strive it's it's something it's it's a thought that sticks in my head and whenever i start to feel myself slipping in that direction it definitely eats at me a little bit and it tells me i need to make some changes wow wow thank you for sharing that that's that's really powerful and it goes to show how powerful the influence of of tv and what we watch and what we're feeding our minds with you know, has on us. Um, because yeah. like you said, like you didn't really think, or it didn't even occur to you that there was anything wrong with it until you got older. And maybe for a lot of people, it that just never occurs to them because it's so normalized in our society. Like a partner to me is not supposed to be a replacement mom. Like that's just <laughs> like, that's right. No. And I think all women would agree that we don't want to be we don't want to be your mommy. We want, right? <laughs> we want to be your wife. We want to be your partner, not right. your mommy. <laughs> and, and like that doesn't mean that a partner shouldn't take care. That, that as a man, I don't want my female partner to to like you know, 
take care of, I don't want them to like not take care of me at all. But like, I don't, but like if I, if it ever gets to a point where I feel like I'm making my partner, my therapist and my mother simultaneously, I know that I need to make some changes. Yep. There we have it. That's, that's the key right there. Um, And, and I think a lot of people too are looking for a best friend and, and I don't want to downplay that because I think you can still like when I think of my female best friend, right. I'm not her therapist, right? She's not my therapist, right? We vent to each other. We share thoughts, opinions. We just let it fly and, and we love each other no matter what. And I think in a relationship in a marriage, it should be that way too, with respect, always with respect as, as the number one thing right. when you're sharing thoughts and opinions and things like that. Um, or giving, you know, constructive criticism and whatnot. Right. Um, but you're still, you can be your, you can be best friends with that person. Right. And still not make them your therapist or put them in the role, you know, of a, of a mother or, or father, you know, goes both ways. Like where you're, you're not, you're not taking that on. I mean, it, I, I mean, actually, and, and if we're really going to go deep, into scriptural thinking a a woman is is actually supposed to look more to her husband as unto the lord which would be like a father type figure actually um but never the other way around it's never the other way around i think even in 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 the the laws of um of very old um ways of living. It's, it's never been that way. So I think in any time, in any case where it was that way, where a husband was looking to his wife as a mother type figure, that it was um, almost some looked at as some sort of type of bondage. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's very like, it's just, and I think that now, like I would never, I think that as society has has evolved, I think that now we should both look at each other like 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 we should each partner should look at each other as themselves, not from a place of worship, but like you said, from a place of respect where it's like this is a partnership. We're in this together. We have our roles that we that, that we that we do that we've agreed upon and that sometimes we might have to take over the role a little bit or pick up the slack of the other person but right. it's 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 not a permanent thing i i talked with some um, someone else on, I, i'm going to be releasing i had a guest on my podcast um you know who i haven't released the episode yet but we talked about the con this concept that i call a, the reflective relationship instead of the reciprocal relationship and I, because I've never liked the idea of a relationship should be reciprocal. I scratched your back, you scratch mine. Uh, it, it should it should be reflective, where it's like the your behavior reflects mine. You don't do it because you feel obligated because of what I did. You do it because right. what I'm doing is reflected, acted in you. Like it's not I scratch you scratch my back, so I scratch yours. It's that was so nice of you to scratch my back. And I'm so grateful for that, that I want to scratch yours as well. Um, wow, John, I love that. I, you know what? That's so interesting. I was pondering on that yesterday. I was like, 
why does this word reciprocity keep coming to mind and why don't I like it? Right. And that's it. You just explained exactly why I don't like it because it's almost like in that case, you're keeping score. Right. Like, okay, I, I'm not being, it's the, like, if, if you're always focused on reciprocity over respect, right. Then there's a problem. Right. And there's also an attachment that comes with reciprocity. There's no letting go that comes with that. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. And you know, um, yeah, thank you for, for touching on that. And I want to just expand really quick on the bond on where this bondage stems from in a man looking to his wife as mommy. Um, Right. I think in a lot of cases, it stems from, and this is not all cases, but I think in a lot of cases, it stems from a mother who was too um, overly coddling and um, overly nurturing to, to her son. Right. And as a mother of three boys, three mm-hmm. young men now, um, that's something I've always been very cautious about doing because I want to make sure that I'm being a mother to them and I'm nurturing and I'm loving and caring and all of the the things that my feminine role would require Mm -hmm. of being a mother. Um, But at the same time, also want to be, have wanted to be very cautious of, of not babying them to the point of, of them not owning you know, their masculinity growing into that and, and owning it and really um, being able to, to celebrate that within themselves. Because I think that that, that can play a role in, in, in these young men and men today feeling ashamed of masculinity because right. they, they've had a mother who has, um, who has, has basically taught them that they they don't need to be masculine they don't need to be men and and i and even could can go worse than that in into the point of where um mothers to mothers who are uh treating their sons as though that they can do no wrong so so then now we have narcissistic you know, boys and men's bodies running around rampant. Yeah. That, that, that entitlement is a very scary, scary thing because what, when a man, when a grown man has a temper tantrum, that's just, and I have been a grown man when in, in my, in my younger years, when I, I, in, in my much younger years, when I was a grown man who had a temper tantrum, I look back on those and I cringe and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, like, like what kind of grown man has a temper tantrum? Like what, like what kind, other than someone who feels massively entitled, like what kind of, that's what a three-year-old does. That's, that's, that's what a three-year-old does, you know, like when they don't get their way and it's just, it's, and it's, it's also, it's not, it's not cute. <laughs> no. And you know, I think that the, what's happening more today than ever is this uh, scenario where 
men are being raised without discipline. They're being raised without um, structure. They're being raised without allowing themselves to come into their masculine roles and, uh, and, and nature because there are so many single mothers raising, mm-hmm. raising these, these men today, you know, so many single moms where these young men don't, don't have fathers present in their lives or, or they have a, a father type figure who, um, in, in this case scenario would be some, you know, a n- narcissistic himself, mm. you know, just have some sort of dis- destructive behaviors that these men can't learn and grow from, you right. know? And I mean, not to say that there aren't men that do there. I know that there are the rare cases because it is more rare than it is common sure, where, these men can grow up in broken homes like this and they, they do see, they do see the between the lines and they do see what they want to be different. And they, they do man up and own up to their responsibilities and, and what they need to do to get away from that toxic, you know, environment and break those cycles yeah. Resiliency, I think, is not as rare as a lot of people think it is. It's just it, it just needs to be fostered. Yes. Um, and that is that, that that's a it's because masculinity can be very paradoxical in a lot of ways. We have to be we have to know we have to be gentle, but also firm at the same time, like we, or, or, or at different times, depending on the situation. We have to be um we have, but though there's so many, it can be very paradoxical, which is confusing about it. And one of the reasons why that makes it all the more difficult when there's not a significant masculine figure in someone's life is that they don't have, or a healthy masculine figure in someone's life, I'll say. Right, right. They don't have someone to help them navigate those paradoxes. Absolutely. Okay, so you're sharing the importance of there being an outlet like that there's like um that for like in the case of like a single mom um you know or just like anyone that could be listening that that like knows a child um who especially a young male child who is growing up in a in a single family home like Mm -hmm. to help foster outlets and creativity um creativity activity you know whatever it may be whether whether it's physical activity creativity just something to you know keep them either their bodies or their minds active okay yeah i think that that that's a really good good thing for for people to do because then when you're able to express this this creative side and become in touch with that um it's really connecting with your spiritual side with you know your spirituality as well and then it's also connecting with connecting with learning how to be assertive right because if you're 
because part of being assertive is being able to learn how to express yourself in healthy right. ways. Right. And people don't always associate assertiveness with the arts, but they are kind of assertive. If mm-hmm. you think about it, like, you, like, you know, and, and there's, so, that, but that's one of the paradoxes I'm talking about because it's, it's, it's like, you know, a lot of these things that we think of as, you know, like it, it's, it's a, it's a gentle, it's being assertive through a gentle medium. Um, where, I mean, and sports are helpful too, but that's being assertive through a, you know, a, through a, um, through a, a very rough medium. I, 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 I was, I've, when I was in high school and college, I played rugby. When I was younger than that, I was into basketball and I loved doing that, but I, I, I didn't realize until much later in life, how much I was, how much I was yearning for a creative outlet. And I think that encouraging men and boys to do arts is it, it could be real a great way to get them in touch with vulnerability and i think a good window into that sometimes can be sports and athletics because the amount of creativity that goes into sports and athletics is often very much underestimated mm. um creating like if you, if you if if you work out creating your own workouts if you um if if you're involved in sports you know coming up with with um coming up with your own plays um like whether that's rug some in football that's a big one because there's a, a lot of it's a much more complex game whereas you know basketball it's not a, you, the plays wouldn't be as complex but like it's just so integrating creativity and um activity in ways that are that, that allow people to assert themselves um is really interesting there's a great organization that I, that I'm that I sometimes interact with called physiology first um, that helps youth do it works with male and female youth, but it helps them tr- use um, physical health as a gateway into, you know, getting connected with their minds and their bodies and, um, and, phys- mm. and physical activity. And I think that's a great thing for youth to do today. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's wonderful. And so and, and that's really important uh, to to address here, because um we get in the danger zone when we see, especially, you know, this happens in all homes, whether you're a single parent or not, which we know that half the homes nowadays are single parents um, Mm -hmm. with the the divorce rate. So if we're looking at from that, looking at it from that perspective, then the danger zone we want to make sure is that is um, mitigated is where children are not getting out They're They're at home, especially in the world we're living in today at home behind a computer screen, um, learning behind a computer screen all day. If they're at home, you know, homeschooling, um, and then, or behind a mask all day and then coming home and then they're behind a computer screen all night and there, there's no activity. They're just constantly taking in, taking in, taking in. And then there's no actual expression um, and creativity being cultivated. Right. Well, one of the things that I, because I, I mean, this is this, this, this pandemic has been hard on all of us. And one of the things that I had to force myself to do was to get creative about how to find outlets, you know, and um, I, I think, I think that so some of the things I did was uh, actually starting my podcast was one of the ways I was like, well, you know, right now, you know, I, 
right right now you know i i don't have a lot of i don't want to forget how to interact with people what's a way that i can challenge myself to so that i can challenge and exercise and flex my social muscles in a way that will keep me engaged and pod and so in november 2020 that was part of the reason i started my podcast um you know it was i mean that wasn't the only reason that was part of the reason because i i thought you know okay we're going to be hunkered down for a bit you know what's what's the what what are some ways i can do this when it came to when it comes to you know music when i started reconnecting with that side of myself you know I, i found this I recently found this uh, this site called Jam Kazam where you can literally find musicians to o- online to like go into jam sessions with, which I didn't know about. I mean, we oh, very have, cool. We still have to, you know, like, we still have to, you know, get out to some extent because we're gonna get we're gonna get cabin fever. Everyone is gonna get cabin fever, either if we if we compl- if we don't indulge ourselves at all. But I mean. You know, when when situations change, we have to get creative about how we adapt to them. And, you know, I think that it's important to but having an outlet in some way, shape or form is very important, whatever that outlet may be um, for for anybody, especially, you know, developing developing bodies and developing minds. Absolutely. Well, wow, this was um, just a lot of really good information. And I think just um, some of the, the important elements that, that we need to look at in, in our relationships and, and in our relationships in, in marriage, um, our relationships with God and, you know, living under, under the, the design, living under his design, um, and then also, you know, how we emanate that into um, among our children, you know, into their lives so that they can be better equipped in, in such a, you know, I mean, I hate to say broken society because we're not really broken. We, there, we have so many things available to us for to, to grow. You know, there's a lot of, um, of false information and things like that around us, but there's a lot of good and true information available to us as well. And that's what we need to start looking for. That's what we need to, to be focused on, I think. In the open waters of chaos lie endless possibilities for opportunity. There we go. There we have it. So thank you, John. I really appreciate you joining me on this topic and sharing such valuable information. Yeah. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here. It was great talking with you as always, Carrie. And um, uh, just again, if, if people want to find me, they, we can put some stuff in the show notes. But, um, you know, my, my, uh, my business is Pathways Personal and Professional Development, also known as Pathways Advocate Coaching. Um, and uh, my podcast is Someone's Story. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, those will definitely be in the footnotes for you to find if you want to find John and learn more about the services um, that he offers as well. So thank you, John. Thank you as well, Carrie.